Well, hey, it's so great uh, to have you with us this morning, uh, doing something a little bit different. I'm Josh, this is my wife, Lauren, and uh, we are going to bring a conclusion to the uh, Surface Tension series that we've been in, where we've been, you know, just wonderfully talking about emotional health, and I know that a lot of us have gotten a lot out of it and grown. Some of us have recognized areas of growth that we need to have, and uh, I thought it would be great to just re- take questions and, uh, and we try to answer them. A couple things that I thought would be really good. You've heard entirely from men this whole series. And here, I have this belief, so correct me if I'm wrong. I think that sometimes we don't have enough female voices uh, in the church to hear from. And that's just me. And uh, you say, well, you're just you know, young and, and, and more liberal. Well, whatever. I just think that, uh, I just think that uh, men also need to hear from women, and women need to hear women as well. And I've got a wonderful, amazing wife who has so, so smart. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and gifted, and we've been having, we, we, we like to talk, we, we, uh, we, I think we have pretty good communication most of the time, and um, we've been, uh, we got this Jefferson County style hot tub off Amazon that we installed here about a couple months ago, it's really great, really affordable, and, and uh, uh, gives us something to do, and so we've just been sitting and talking a lot, Some, something great happens when you put down your phone and turn the TV off, you talk. Some of you say, well, that's why I get on my phone and watch TV, because I don't want to talk, but um, I think a big part of emotional health is just talking. We've had some really, really good conversations over the course of this series, because if you preach on something, you're going to have to live it out, whether you want to or not. Uh, it just happens. And so in the, over the course of our conversations, I just thought, man, uh, these people need to hear what you're saying, um, because it's really good. I believe she not only has a lot of wisdom and great insight, but a gift on her life to speak as well. And so we're just going to go through some of these questions and, uh, and, and do our best to answer some of them. These all came from you, so these are not our questions. And um, we're just going to jump right in. And uh, again, remember next week, daylight savings. When you wake up at 7 o'clock, it won't be dark. <laughs> Praise God. I, I'm not an early riser, so I'm expecting it to be light at 7. And it's been dark, and I've been tricked every time thinking I have more time to sleep. I haven't been emotionally healthy this week because of that, but... Anyway, I'm going to jump right in here. We're going to toss back and forth, but I thought one of the great questions that came in, it says, uh, in your opinion, what does the ideal quiet time look like? Should we do this every day without fail, and how do I get over the guilt when I miss? And this really came out of when Pastor Charles talked about rest and a Sabbath. So what do you think? Yes, it should be daily, but you shouldn't feel guilty if you miss. The end. No, <laughs> I think where we get in trouble with spending daily time with the Lord and, and all that comes with that is we try to get a formula that somebody else has done or we're looking at somebody else's life or I'm a mom with a young kid at home. It's going to be different than if you have, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's lots of different ways that you can make this happen. So you can't get caught up on how, when, where. You just need to figure out what works for you and do it. And what works for somebody else is not going to work for me and vice versa. And that's okay. And can I just tell you, like, I love spending time with the Lord. I would love to do it daily. But can I tell you, I miss. At least once a week, I'm missing. And if I'm more focused on the fact that I miss than the actual, actually reconnecting with the Lord, I'm going to get myself in trouble. So I don't know what, what to tell you, to, how to tell you not to feel guilty, but I just want you to know everybody does it. Everybody will miss. So it's not like God's waiting for you to miss so he can smack you on the head and be like, hey, get it together. Um, but I would recommend daily. Um, there's just 
That daily connection with him realigns your focus, realigns your perspective. If you can do it in the morning, it kind of sets the perspective or the tone, the for, the tone for the day. Um, I know when I do miss, I feel it. I don't feel guilty for it, but I do, I miss it. It's like, you know, like when you're with somebody that you really like to be around and they're gone for a while, you miss them, right? And that's how I feel with the Lord. Um, but I haven't always been like that. There was a time where I would feel guilty, but now it's just like, I just want to be around him and I know he wants to be around me. So when I do miss it, it's not like this, I'm going to get struck by lightning, but it's like, hey, I can't wait for tomorrow to retry this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, the quote on the question is, what does the ideal quiet time look like? Mm-hmm. I think ideal for me is quality versus quantity. But we talk about a lot of it in terms of minutes. Well, I spend 20 minutes a day. Well, great. I mean, you're talking about minutes, not the quality of it. Like, I could spend 20 minutes a day with Lauren, and we could just sit there and do nothing, but we spent 20 minutes. And so I think it's quality. Like, I don't really focus on time. I can't tell you what the ideal amount of time is. You know what I mean? Because I don't think God always says, I need five minutes. I think he needs a moment. And a moment can be two seconds. 20 minutes. So I think if you focus less on the time and more on the quality, you ever been with somebody and it's like an hour with them is like 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my sermons are like 45, but they feel like five minutes you know, every week. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of that. It's about the quality of the relationship. You know, I sat yesterday, we had an event here. There were uh, just pastors from all over the place. We hosted it. And I sat and talked to Pastor John and I did with a guy for like two hours and it felt like five minutes. It was just amazing. And I think, again, it's a relationship with him. And so one day he did five minutes, awesome. The next day was 30, hey, that's cool too. Um, again, quality versus quantity. And uh, I mean, and it does help to have some kind of plan. And there's so sure. much stuff out there, like Google. Like if you need help with a devotion or what to do, there's so much stuff out there that you can find that will help you. Yeah, even go to our website, faithcommunity.co, click on Bible. And it just pulls in version, which is you can get free on your phone. And, there, and there's so many plans out there you can pick. And uh, like she's saying, if you have a plan, it just kind of gets you in motion and then it frees you up uh, to just spend some time. So, all righty. Uh, here's the next one I thought was good. Um, what was the most difficult of all the steps in the series uh, that we talked about throughout the, the book, uh, Motion, Healthy, Spirituality, and why did you feel this way? All of them. All of them. Yeah. That's a really good. All of them were horrible. Uh, no. Uh, I'll say for me, I think the most difficult thing is going back to go forward. That was week number three. Um, because we kind of want to let the past be the past. You know? Kind of like uh, Pumbaa said on Lion King. Let the past. Put the past behind you. Put your behind in your past. You know? What do you say in your pants? Um, but we do have to let it be what it is. But we have to acknowledge it. Right? We have to realize that the past is having some level of authority in our lives. And we have to be, and to be able to be undo that authority and recognize the influence, we have to go back and allow God to heal that. Um, and so I find that difficult because I'm just like, let's move on. You know what I mean? It happened. Now, what's today? Realizing that what happened yesterday is affecting today. You can't live in the past, but you do have to take time. I think it's difficult because it's the time that it takes mm-hmm. to sit and be reflective. It's easier to come home and medicate with your, with your phone, with right. Candy Crush or Facebook or... Netflix, you know, binge watching TV. I and mean, like, it's been like the greatest invention and the worst invention, right? A new season comes out and you're like, oh, I got 10 episodes. I can sit and do nothing for the next two days. Uh, but uh, there's such a demand for our time. I think, I think that's just difficult for me. I think what was difficult for me, it wasn't one item, but it was just this realization that life is a journey and it's a process. And even though I listened to these messages, I read the book, I did everything 
that I was supposed to do out of this, there's still problems. There's still issues and people that I'm going to have to deal with, and it's not going to go away, and that's never going to go away because we're all human. And once I'm over this hump, there's going to be another one. And it's just this realization that life is hard, and we're going to have to learn how to deal with that in a healthy way. But just because life is hard doesn't mean that it's not good. Mm, you know, good. it's like we have to have this perspective of just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's not good. Good things can come out of hard situations. And so I just, like, because I, like, I like to have fun. I like to be laid back. I like everything just to, you know, roll with the punches, fly by the seat of my pants. So if I'm not careful doing that, I don't want to face these other things. And I just want things to be easy breezy, you know, lemon squeezy. So I came to this realization that life's hard and you're going to have to deal with things. But that's okay. You can, mm. life's still going to be good. It makes you think. Has anybody ever read or seen, you know, C.S. Lewis, Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe? Okay. Great. C.S. Lewis, if you don't know who he was, was, was a devout atheist who became a believer, and he wrote a series of books um, that just describe God. And the main character of God in that book is Aslan, and he's this lion, this beautiful lion. And at one point in the story, uh, one of the, the kids asks, is he safe? And he says, he is not safe, but he is good. And it's just this beautiful line. I think so many times we're looking for life to be safe and God to be safe. And if safe is nowhere near good. Mm -hmm. And I just love what Lauren said. Just because life is hard doesn't mean it's good. Right? And we think it's hard and we think it's unsafe. Yeah, it's funny. um, You know, my son's seven and like a lot of seven-year-olds, he's like afraid to do roller coasters and he's very cautious. Like he is the most cautious kid. I'm like... It's frustrating. It is so frustrating. Like, (laughs) won't ride a bike. Like, he's... What do I say he's going to be like? He's going to be a risk manager. A risk manager. Like, that's this kid and I'm just like... You don't understand how much fun and you're going to enjoy this if you'll just get over your fear and do it. But we're the same way, right? We don't want to deal with things. We want to not, we want to take the easy road. We don't want to do the hard things. But it's like, God's like, if you'll just do the hard things, you'll never know how good life will be and how much I'll be there for you. So it just kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. I forgot what the question was, but we, yeah, got, off was... On, we got off on a good moment there. Good job. <laughs> All righty. So here's one, a little more, a little more serious. This was good. This was last week. And uh, I'm going to toss this question to Lauren because she does really good um, in this area. It says, this past Sunday, we learned to accept ourselves. Uh, However, I cannot balance between loving myself and being arrogant. Uh, Does the Bible explain the difference between the two? And how do I know when I'm arrogant or when I'm just loving myself? The reason why I really want Lauren to answer this is one thing that I'm so attracted to her about other than her beauty um, is is she really, she has a healthy self-image. She likes herself. And I've not always liked myself. I've not always felt like God wanted me to like myself, as jacked up as that is, right? Um, I kind of struggle with that. And so she just does a great job with that. So I thought, I just figured that I am the only person on the face of this earth that has to be with me 24 hours. So I might as well like myself. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'll be miserable if I don't. Um, No, I, I like this question and I appreciate it. Because I don't know where we learned this or if I just learned it, but... We often have false humility and pretend like it's real humility, but it's not really humility. Mm. And so I really appreciate this question. Um, But before I jump in, arrogance, just so we're all on the same page, is having or revealing an exaggerated sense of one's own importance or abilities. And so first of all, and this is my opinion, I mean, I think it's correct because it is my opinion, (laughs) but... She does like herself. I do like myself, and I do think I'm right, so take it for what it's worth. But in my honest opinion, I think people who are arrogant are the most insecure people out there. And so if you are, and we all struggle with accepting God's love. So don't feel like you're the only one because we all do. But 
for the sake of trying not to be arrogant, you don't fully accept God's love, you're going to be arrogant. Because we all need acceptance. We all need fulfillment in our life. We all need purpose. We all need to know we're loved. We all need to be seen. And we can only get those things from the Lord. And to get that, you have to know that he loves you. So if I'm not getting it this way, I'm going to try to get it this way. And I'm going to have to prove myself. I'm going to have to tell you a bigger and better story every time you tell me your story. You know what I mean? Like you're going to come off very arrogant, even though you're not trying to be, because you're trying to feel loved. So if you're worried, if you're, if you're struggling with this and you're worried about being arrogant, you're probably not because most people are arrogant, don't realize they're arrogant. So if, if that's a reality in your mind, you're probably cool, but you have to know that you are loved. And when you spend time with God and accept his love, and it is a process, it's a journey, as you get closer with him, you're going to know that you're more loved. You're not going to be a people pleaser. You're not going to care what anybody else thinks. You're going to get everything you need this way, and you're not even going to have to talk about yourself this way. So you're not going to be arrogant because you're getting everything you need from the Lord and not from other people. So a couple of things that I would just keep in mind practically, what's your motivation in life. What are you trying to prove? Are you trying to, you know, be the best at something? Are you like, and if you're a people pleaser, you have to be kind of be careful here because you're going to want to um, get acceptance from other people. But yeah, if you just spend time with him and know that he loves you, you're just naturally not going to be arrogant. And this is why, because when you spend time with him, you take your life into account, how messed up you are, how messed up I am. It's only by the grace of God that I can do anything, that I have gifts, that I have anything, right? So the difference between arrogance and confidence in him is who are you glorifying? If I'm saying I'm gifted because of me, that's arrogance. If I'm gifted because he's given me gifts, all glory's going this way and it has nothing to do with me. So just be careful who you're trying to glorify. What's your motivation in that area? And if you're doing your best to glorify him and lift up his name, you're not going to be arrogant because you know it's nothing about me and it's all about him. And I'm sorry, but if we're going to go out and make a difference in our community, we need to be confident knowing that he loves us. Because if we're insecure and arrogant and we're not accepting his love, nobody is going to want anything to do with that. We've got enough of that going on. People are not attracted to that. People are not attracted to that. But what they are attracted to is the love of God. And you need to accept God's love so other people will see his love inside of you. It's good stuff. Part of the question said, does the Bible explain a difference between the two? Um, If you look at Paul, Paul wrote more books of the Bible than any other man. Uh, was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, highly educated, uh, went from you know basically being a terrorist, hunting down Christians and killing them, to being the greatest apostle. You look at his letters as he wrote throughout uh, his time. In, in one of his first letters, he, he wrote to the Corinthian church, and he said, I, Paul, the apostle, the definite article. Galatians, he addresses himself, I, Paul, least of the apostles. By Timothy, at the end of his life, he's writing to Timothy, he said, I, Paul, chief of all sinners. There was this perspective in Paul, this journey that he wasn't thinking less of himself like God was putting him down. He was just thinking of himself less. Mm-hmm. That's good. Right? Like, I don't have to be the apostle. I'm fundamentally saved by his grace. Like, hey, Timothy, I was the worst. Because he tells Timothy, hey, Timothy, there's a faithful, to saying, faithful saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came in the world to save sinners, of which I'm the worst. That's what he tells Timothy. And it's just that amazing thing. You take a guy like Paul, the apostle, least of the apostles, chief 
of all sinners. Don't you think that would have started the other way? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. And uh, it didn't. And I just thought it was interesting. I went to a, a leadership event last Monday that I didn't want to go to, and it really blessed me. Uh, the, the guy, yeah, two times this week I didn't want to do something. It really blessed me. So, hey, if you don't want to do something this week, do it. <laughs> Probably going to bless you. But uh, just that point, pointing that out, that journey. And so sometimes I think what the Bible doesn't say explicitly, the Bible reveals in the lives of the people mm-hmm. that it highlights. And God never strips away the humanity from, from his word. He preserved it for us to see. Yeah, and I want to say, you know, on one side, you can, come up, you can be arrogant if you're not accepting his love. But on the other side, if you're constantly putting yourself down, that's just as bad. It's a subtle form of arrogance. It's a subtle form. Yeah. And that's that false humility of, oh, I'm, I'm not good. You know, I can do this, blah, blah, blah. And, and what that does, it slaps the creator of you in the face when you're saying, I'm not good when we know that God only creates good things, right? And so even if you're on the other side of arrogance and you're constantly putting yourself down, beating yourself up, not accepting his love, it's just as bad as the flip side. Yeah. And I want to share this. Like You, you put this in here as your note, but I'll steal it. Okay. Uh, Galatians 6.14, this is Paul. He said, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died is what Paul wrote. I just think that's amazing. Uh, Galatians 6.14. So, anything else? We'll nope. move on. That's good. All right, cool. <laughs> so the next question. This, was, um, this is a really good one, very honest question, I think, that we all, we all have dealt with or know someone that has dealt with or we will deal with it. It said, on the subject of grief and loss, because remember we talked about, I think, week five, was enlarging our soul through grief and loss, uh, was could you touch on helping ourselves or others grieving the loss of a loved one when it feels like there are things left unsaid between the person who's passed away and the person grieving? It is almost the pain, uh, it's as if almost the pain between relationships is transcending death and the broken relationship is stalling the healing process. So effectively, someone you know has passed away, a friend, a loved one, and there was things left unsaid. There was reconciliation that didn't take place. There was unforgiveness that wasn't resolved. Uh, how do you move on? And I'm, I'm fortunate enough in life so far to not have to deal with that. I've, when I became a pastor, I had not really dealt with grief. And then I had three years in a row of grandparents dying and then doing funerals and being in the room when people were passing away. And it was like baptism by fire on that. And, uh, but yet to see the presence of God in the midst of all of that. And so what I would encourage you to do if you're dealing with this is... Um, if the, the person obviously isn't here any longer, but if there is something that needs to be said, you need to vo- vocalize that or verbalize that in some way. You need to write it down. If you can go to the grave, go to the grave as soon as possible, and you need to say it. You need to say it, um, and, and you need to let that go. The reason is, is that it, the grief is on the inside of you, and if you're not careful, it'll turn to bitterness and then to resentment. And I- unless you express it, it needs an expression. The grief needs an expression. Uh, we have a, a grief share ministry here that I would encourage you to go to as well because mm-hmm. that will help you as you talk to people and express the grief. Grief cannot live in you. It has to come out of you. Grief is actually a healing gift from God. We talked about that. So um, if you can go to the grave, do that. If you can't, write, uh, write a letter. Read that letter out loud and then symbolically burn it and watch it burn and disappear into the air. You have to do it. I don't think the power is in the, the symbolism. I think the power is in taking the step to forgive. And you say, what if they need to forgive me? That's never going to happen because they're, they're dead. 
But forgiveness is not for them, it's for you. Forgiveness always sets you free. It never sets another person free. I don't forgive so that person who hurt me feels something. I forgive so I can be free of the offense against me. That, and I just thought that question was so good. You want to address the iceberg? Take a step. Symbolically do it. And do it quickly. You say, well, I don't have the graveside. I don't want to write it. Then get a good friend whom you trust. Sit across the table from them and act as if they were that person and you tell them what needs to be told. Find a safe person and do it. You say, well, that's weird. Yeah, it may be weird, but oh my gosh, how much longer do you want to live with that heaviness? And so we don't have a good language around grief. We don't have a good culture around grief. Um, grief is fundamentally a part of life. Mm-hmm. And I said this in the message, we are getting ready now as a culture. The largest generation that we had seen, the baby boomers, they are starting to pass away. And so it's only going to become more prevalent for us uh, to deal with grief, help our family members deal with grief, help our children deal with grief. And so that's why I think this question is so important. Um, but taking some steps to vocalize and verbalize that. Um, and if you need help, let us know. We'll get you in contact um, with the, the grief share. It's, it's current, right? Yeah, it's meeting right now. Okay, yeah. yeah. She oversees all the small groups too, so I had to... Yeah. We can, if not this semester, another semester. Yeah, we'll help you, so, yeah. All righty. Um, here we go. This is, a, this is a good series of questions. Uh, and we're moving quicker than we did last time. You're talking so. less. I'm talking. <laughs> I, thought I'm you, I thought you were talking less. I'm just but, um, the, these questions come together, and they were really asked from the perspective of someone in a relationship. I don't know if it's marriage or whatever, but saying, "How do you deal with it in a relationship when you're the one who feels like you're carrying all the emotional, you know, burden? You are." bringing things up. You are trying to be the healthy one and the the spouse, the friend, the boyfriend, girlfriend, whomever doesn't seem to want to participate. How do you deal with that when you are ready and they are not? Um, What is that? What does that look like? So, yeah. So not having the context behind it, there's a few things that we can look at that hopefully can help you. Um, But number one, expectations. And this could probably go with all of the questions, but what are your expectations for the other person? And what you need to realize is they're not going to process things how you process things. They be, may be more internal and you're more external. There's lots of things that go along with that. But don't let your expectations of what you can see is going on in that person affect how you're treating them, what you're thinking, all that things. Because they, there may be some things going on inside. God's really doing a work on the inside of them. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Um, also, maybe they just need a little more time to be okay with this. Because let's face it, who wants to deal with all the stuff we talked about, right? <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I had to because I knew we were doing this series. So, <laughs> But yeah, so what are your expectations and personality? This kind of goes along with it. Lots of different personalities going on. That can affect how people process things. Some people just need a little extra time to get on board. Like, Josh and I are the same. Like, we're going to jump in both feet like we're in. Like, that's not always good. But a lot of people need more time to process, to figure out what's going on and all that. So personality plays a part in that. And then motivation. Why do you want the other person to respond a certain way? That's part of this. So what you can do, if you're the one that's like, hey, let's do this. You know, we want to be emotionally healthy. Let's do what they said to do. And the other person's like, um, no, I'm not ready yet. You can only take responsibility for you. 
And the more you do that, number one, you're going to have more grace for the other person. And number two, they're going to see the change in you. And they're going to be like, okay, maybe I do want to do this. I've had some time to process it. But only you can be responsible for you. And please don't nag and harp on them and say, you need to do this. If you would only do this, the church said we should do this. And you're constantly <laughs> nagging them. Did you read the notes? Did you read? It happens. I'm just saying <laughs> it happens. We get blamed for a lot of stuff. We're like, Hey, we're just putting the information out there, but don't do that because you need to, sometimes there needs to be some emotional trust built up. Mm. So if you, if your relationship, whether it's spouse, whether it's kid, parent, no matter what it is, if you're constantly, when a fight comes up, telling them everything they're doing wrong, and if you only would have, or you should have, or if you didn't do this, then that, then why would they feel comfortable being vulnerable with you when you're constantly putting them down? Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm not saying that it's going to be easy or that it's hard or that it doesn't affect you. I know it does, but you can really, you can't force anybody to do anything. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, the foundation of every relationship is trust, right? If you've ever seen a relationship pyramid, you see there's trust. But there cannot be trust where there's not vulnerability, right? You can only trust someone as, as honest as they will be. And vulnerability has to be cultivated. It can't be scheduled. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I can't just say, be vulnerable. No, I have to cultivate that. Um, I have to allow someone to be who they are. And I think this has been one of the biggest frustrations between Lauren and I and our relationship is, although we are very similar, we're also very different. I'm kind of weird in the fact that I don't mind talking about my problems uh, to the point where I, w- I could dominate a conversation. Uh, really, just ask her. He or to the point where she's like, can we move on? Dear Lord. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, you know, oh yeah, we're being healthy and She's like, I'm just exhausted, you know? I'm like, quit rehearsing this quit, over yeah, and yeah, over sure. and over again, yeah. like you said it. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing is, is that, you know, I process out loud and, and immediately. immediately. Out loud and immediate. And Lauren is more internal in her processing, and she needs to step away and think about it. And, and, but I'm like, if there's a problem, let's hit it head on. You know what I mean? Even if there's a problem around here sometimes, I'm like, let's go now. We're going to do it. That's how we handle it. Like, this is not going to sit and fester, which isn't always good. On one hand, it's good. On one hand, it's bad. I've had to uh, really learn to allow her to be her. That's who she is. That's how God made her. What I believe is, is that how God made me is the best. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, if, you, <laughs> if you would just listen. So I've had to learn to respect that and learn how, wow, she has a lot more wisdom because even though I want to deal with it instanta- instantly, it doesn't mean that I'm an emotional adult in that moment, right? Last week I said, if instant also often equals infant, and I need to step away and take a deep breath and gain some perspective. One of the things we don't do well in our society now is because of, the, the, of social media and the instant communication, the moment we see something, we respond. And we can do it without recourse because it's on some message board. When, name the message board. Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And you don't have to pay the emotional price of that because you're not looking the person in the face. And then you come home and you try to argue with Facebook posts. (laughs) And the reason it doesn't work is because they're looking at you and you feel the weight of your words in the eyes and body language of another person. And that's huge. And I have really had to grow in that area and realize 
Her difference is actually a strength and a point of maturity that I have to constantly come around and, and, and learn. So that personality thing is huge because it's right in with expectations. You know, so. That's good. And I think, no, I just think that allowing the other person, because what we see on the outside doesn't necessarily match what God's doing on the inside Mm. of another person. That's good. So just because you're not seeing the immediate results that you think we should see, because, hey, we like the immediate, right? We like the microwave. We don't want to wait for it. Just because you don't see anything on the outside doesn't mean that God's not doing something on the inside. So don't be nag- don't be like constantly at them and because then they'll completely put a wall up. Yeah. And because God is doing something on the inside, so pray for them. Remember what the definition of love is. If you need to go back to 1 Corinthians and be like, okay, am I really loving this person regardless of what they're doing? Regardless of what they're doing, what I think they should do, am I really loving them? Or am I just expecting something out of them that, you know, yeah. that maybe you're not even meeting in their life? So. Well, yeah, I think one of the biggest things you can do is realize in your relationship, you're not God. You're not the Holy Spirit. God has not called you to fix the person you're with, whether that's your spouse, a coworker, whatever. You have to trust that the Holy Spirit does his work, and he does it in a, in a profound way. You can speak the truth, but speaking the truth in love. Right. So I think if you just want to take a chill pill and take a deep breath to say, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not God. I'm not responsible for them. Wow. And just focus on you. The greatest gift you can give a relationship is a healthy you. A lot of times we avoid ourselves and try to fix someone else thinking that's going to do it. It's well, easier. It's, it's easier. Oh, to yeah. It's easy. If you would just do this, yeah. then I could be right. Yeah, sure. It doesn't work, people. Man, just... That's a great impasse, so <laughs> we can move on. Okay. You don't want to talk about this right now? <laughs> no. I'm exhausted. <laughs> so uh, this, uh, we'll see. I'm pretty sure this will be the last question is to it together, and really kind of another one that came in here um, the last day or so was around this in a, kind of a whole theme of, of disappointment because um, that's really where... I think a lot of us struggle is, is disappointment. When things happen beyond our control, when things happen that we wanted to, ha- we wanted to happen, and they didn't, um, why, where was God, how do we deal with that? And there was a question, I'm, I'm not going to read it because um, I just think it was very vulnerable, and it had to do with a relationship and not really being able to move beyond that. And the other question was, if I'm stuck at a wall, uh, how do I get past? So really, we, as we were talking about this, we kind of thought, oh, this is really just about dealing with the disappointments in life that are inevitable and a lot of times unavoidable and are the product of getting into a vulnerable relationship, there will be disappointment. So how do we, how do we deal with, with that? And just disappointments beyond relationships. But. Um, so I think, number one, it kind of goes back to life as a journey. And if you're stuck at a wall or you're dealing with disappointment that you just can't get over, like there's always something in our lives that we're just having a hard time getting past. Um, you know, you have to realize it's life is a journey. It's a process. And over time, things will get better as you slowly move forward. But understand that God's probably teaching you something in this. Maybe he's wanting you to draw near to him instead of whatever disappointment is out there. Um, and it's hard. We understand it's hard and all of that. Um, so, but I think the biggest thing that is you can't isolate yourself. So if you're dealing with a disappointment, especially if it has to do with another person, you are in a relationship and now you're no longer in that relationship and you're just having a really hard time getting over that, you can't isolate yourself and not have friends, not have, you know, a group that you meet with. 
because you'll, you will get lonely. And when you're lonely, of course, all you're going to do is focus on that past relationship and you're not going to be able to get over it. So my number one advice is don't isolate yourself, get in a small group, get a good friend, um, whatever you need to do to make sure you're not isolating yourself. Yeah. And I think, um, part of the disappointment is accepting it. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Uh, although I like to feel and kind of wallow in that for a little bit, I am very much of a person, I'm just be honest, I am very much of a person that says, what's next? What do I have to do? This happened, and I can't change it, right? And no amount of time of wishing it didn't happen, trying to uh, theorize a different scenario, it, at some point it just becomes a waste of time because it happened. And so I think you really have to take inventory of your emotions in those moments. Why am I feeling this way? And here's a big thing. Are my feelings corresponding to reality? Or am I trying to get reality to correspond to my feelings? That's a big difference. And what I feel, I don't feel guilty for it. You know, it's not wrong that I feel this way. But what's the reality? And if the reality is fundamentally different than what I feel, I just need to know, okay, i got to work through this feeling. But if I'm trying to bend reality to my feelings, that's when I become, you know, I dominate the conversations, I'm, I'm making it all about me, I have false humility, maybe I become arrogant, whatever the case may be. Disappointment can breed bitterness or resentment, or it can just make you stronger. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it can just make you stronger. I mean... Take my childhood hero, Michael Jordan. He got cut from the high school basketball team. What if he just said, well, I'll never be a great player. Then I have no childhood hero. (laughs) You know? I mean, let's just look throughout the stories of history of people that got over disappointment. Disappointment should fuel you on to the next thing. Right? You are not alone in your disappointment, like Lauren said. Right. You are not alone. Raise your hand if you've been disappointed. Look around. The joker that didn't raise their hands line. <laughs> right? So we, disappointment brings us together. Disappointment is just, it's just part of life. And I think, you know, feelings, like we said, are indicators, but they're not always truth-affirming. Something can be an indicator of what's going on in me, but they don't always affirm the truth. So what affirms the truth? The Word of God. Right. The Word of God. I say this on a daily basis. Father, I thank you that I am, who, I am what your word says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I thank you that your word is true despite what I think, what I feel, or what I see. Your word is true. And so if I'm feeling a certain way, I have to, that's where I have to know the word of God. I can run my feelings against the word of God so I feel like I'm no good. Uh, this disappointment's going to ruin my life. Da, da, da. I can go to the word that I'm rooted in that says he's never left me nor forsaken me. He is for me, not against me. He knows the plans that he has for my life, right? He's not seen his seed forsaken or beg for bread, right? He has a plan for my life. And as he said in Psalm 139, every single one of his steps are ordered and written down, right? That's how you can deal with your emotions too. Recognize it. I feel it. I acknowledge it. Now, what's the reality? And I think having some time in your day to, to do that is, is, is a huge thing. Yeah, and I love uh, the question about, I feel like I'm stuck at a wall. How do I get past? That kind of goes with this. And I love the wall thingy that you did. Um, <laughs> thingy. Um, but I, I don't want us, uh, life is hard and the wall is hard. But we can't view being stuck at the wall as a punishment or that we're doing mm. something. Well, maybe that at the wall is exactly where God wants you to be. 
And what I try to do in my life is if there's just something that I'm struggling with, whether it's disappointment, whether it's no matter what it is, and I've, I've prayed about it, I've done everything that I can think of to do, I'm like, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me in this difficult moment? Because it's in the difficult moments where we learn the most, right? So if your perspective can be, okay, I'm at the wall. I've prayed about it. God hasn't healed me. He hasn't taken this person out of my life. He hasn't fixed this person, whatever it is. If you can say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to change in me for the future? Knowing that, hey, I am going to get over this wall, but maybe right here is where God wants me to be. Mm. And it's not comfortable. It's hard. I don't like it. But hey, I'm going to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and try to learn what he's teaching me as quickly as possible so I can get past it. But sometimes that's just a journey and it takes a while. So if you're stuck at a wall, don't necessarily feel like you're doing something wrong or that God's punishing you. Maybe it's just a teaching moment. Maybe you're just in the school of life right there and God's teaching you and you eventually will graduate. But right now you just have to get through the hard stuff so you can move beyond and do what God's called you to do. 